Thanks for tuning in to the Sword and Trial. Today, Graham and I talk about uh, being in a new presidential election year here in the United States and how we should think about that as Christians. What do we do in the midst of the uncertainties? And and undoubtedly, there's going to be difficulties that will arise culturally and politically. Uh, How are we to stand as God's people? We appreciate those that support Founders, enable us to produce this podcast, and we want to encourage you to like this and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and to spread it around to others, if you will. That helps the algorithm so that we are least, less likely to get canceled uh, by some of the big tech companies. So thanks for tuning in today. Welcome to the Sword and Trial. The Sword and Trial is a podcast of Founders Ministries, and Founders exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of local churches. I'm Tom Askell. And I'm Graham Gundon. Delighted to have you join us here early in the year 2024 as we look forward to what God has in store for us. And as we're recording this, we're anticipating just a few days away uh, the conference coming up here in Southwest Florida. I hope that if you're not registered for that, you would register and join us. And if you are registered, you're already making your plans to be down here with us. We think it's going to be a great conference on remembering Jesus Christ. And so that's also going to be live streamed for free. So you can go to the Founders website and access that. We're grateful for the people who support Founders financially that enable us to provide this and other content uh, free of charge, which is our goal to do as much as we can. So Graham, how's the new year starting for you? Uh, for me, it's been been absolutely wonderful. Um, as I look at the, the rest of the year and the uh, <laughs> prospect of facing an election year and Uh, The different things that are likely to happen or could possibly happen, it seems like it's going to be a fun year. Yeah, well, we thought we'd talk about that today, Uh, 2024. And um, having lived through 2020, uh, 2016, you know, you think, okay, what's this presidential election cycle going to be like? And we already got a little bit of a foretaste of that with Mm -hmm. uh, some of the back and forth and things going on and people speculating about who's going to be the nominee for both major parties, actually. You know, is President Biden going to be fit to uh, be the nominee? Uh, Will uh, former President Trump be the nominee? And if so, will he have to campaign from prison? Or, you know, what's the the status of all that? So what's your take on presidential politics going into 2024? Um, I, I love politics. I think it's a lot of fun. I don't watch football. I just watch politics. Um, (laughs) I I can't stand politics. It's too bloody. I I just watch football. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, it, it, it does seem likely that, uh, Trump will be the nominee for the GOP. Um, and boy, who knows about the nominee for the DNC Mm -hmm. right now is the way things stand. It is absolutely Biden. Um, and a lot of people are saying that, you know, Trump's got the upper hand going into this election. Um, but there's a lot, a lot that could happen between now and November of this year. Um, and a lot will happen between now and November of this year. People have been talking about black swan events. And the funny thing about black swan events is there are things that you don't expect, but everyone's expecting something, <laughs> whether that be, you know, Trump's removed from multiple ballots or, you know, there's conflict in the South China Sea or the war in Israel, you know, expands further in the Middle East or, or whatever it is. Or as you and I have talked about, um, you know, with our porous southern border and people pouring through um, the possibility of, of uh, terrorist sleeper cells even in, mm-hmm. in our own nation. Um, so the, uh, 
any number of things could happen, um, devastating things could happen between now and November that totally changes the trajectory that we're currently on. Yeah, I remember uh, over most of my life leading up to presidential elections, you know, it was always the October surprise, you know, the October surprise to try to throw Mm -hmm. your opponent in his constituency off. Well, now it's like, you know, pick a month. Yeah. You know, October. <laughs> See, it's June. It's the, what, get, break a, out the June surprise. That's right. You know, day after day. And so uh, the, the question is, you know, how do you, as pastors, how do we shepherd people through this? How do we think about it ourselves? How should God's people uh, consider this time in which we live in this country? We're thinking about United States primarily, uh, although it has implications far beyond the mm-hmm. United States for all the West and even beyond that because of just the, the place the United States has in the uh, affairs of the whole globe. Mm-hmm. So with that, a couple of thoughts have been operating in my mind is one of the things that we always must do is set Christ before our people. Mm-hmm. You know, the gospel is true. The most important things never change. Mm -hmm. And we're in a world where we're bombarded with information uh, on a moment-by-moment basis. We have instantaneous access to world events, unlike we've had ever before. And so because of that, everything can seem not only important, but urgent. And Mm -hmm. you just got to give attention to it. And uh, one of the things that happens, I, I know people that do this, they get up in the morning and they just start immediately scrolling through social media or headlines. It's a healthy thing to do. Yeah, you know, and that gets <laughs> that gets their day going, their blood flowing. And man, I, I try desperately not to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I try to make my first thoughts, uh, get into the Word of God, mm-hmm. pray, think, let God speak to me. Intentionally orient my life to hear what God says. And so here we are in the early part of the year. If you're a Christian, you don't have a Bible reading plan, man, get one. Uh, just start reading through the scriptures. If nothing else, read five or 10 chapters a day to start in Genesis and read straight through. Mm. But there are a lot of good Bible reading plans out there. And uh, saturate your mind with the word of God because the unseen realities never change. And in the world of change and decay, we need to constantly be brought back to what is essential and what is eternal and what will feed you and sustain you uh, day in and day out. Yeah, we need to be anchored, especially in days like these days. I really do think that we're living in unprecedented times. Um, There are things that we can look at in history and we can learn from the wisdom of the past, the events of the past, um, but there's not anything like what we're facing today just because of the unique place the Lord has has put us in um, in in the modern era um, and as we look at the the political upheaval uh, the culture wars uh, that we are fighting and that we should be fighting because they're important uh, I think we have to remember that it's these aren't merely political fights as if like they're kind of secondary and right. not really all that important. And they're not merely culture wars, but it's actually a religious war. It yeah. is a religious uh, battle that is taking place. And I think maybe this is just a self-confession, but I think, you know, the American church has been just asleep for so long to the reality that we are in a holy war. We are in a religious war, not one in which we take up our swords or our guns and we go to battle, um, but one in which uh, the the enemy, uh, false religions, idols, paganism is continually at our door trying to batter down our gates um, Mm -hmm. here in the West and here in America in particular uh, to be able to subject us to false religion. Religion. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I recently read 
an essay by Dorothy Sayers uh, called uh, Creed or Chaos. Mm. And this is the way she starts it. She writes this, something is happening to us today which has not happened for a very long time. We are waging a war of religion, not a civil war between adherents of the same religion, but a life and death struggle between Christian and pagan. And she wrote that in 1949. <laughs> and uh, I, you know, reading through this was thinking, man, she saw what was coming as it was just beginning to foment up more and more in the same way that I feel like I'm just now beginning to realize has been here, is here, and now it's all around us, and mm-hmm. we've got to, to deal with the realities. And um, the way you framed it is vitally important because mm-hmm. so much of the cultural warring that goes on today, it's just strictly in terms of political parties. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to defeat the Democrats. You know, we got to defeat the Republicans, and Republican good, Democrat bad. Mm-hmm. And certainly, I mean, I'm on record having said this for years now. I don't think you can be a faithful Christian and vote for a Democrat who stands on the platform of the Democrat Party. Yeah. Any, anybody that stands on the platform of the Democrat Party and you vote for them as a Christian, you're not thinking rightly. There's something bad wrong with your theology, with your faith, and you need to go back to the Scriptures and reexamine it. Mm-hmm. And I say that, and if you challenge that or question that, I, I just say go read the Democrat Party platform. Mm-hmm. It's got abortion uh, yeah. ensconced in it multiple yeah. times. Yeah, the, the, the DNC is the political engine which drives the cults of secular humanism, the cults mm-hmm. of LGBTQism, the cults of environmentalism, the, the cults of sex, sexual liberation, all these different uh, religious cults that are uh, gaining more and more traction and more and more power in our society uh, with the attempt to subvert and to... Um, uh, to tamp down the Christian religion, uh, the Democrat Party is the political arm of those cults. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair thing to say, although I'd want to quickly add that the GOP is, is not an ally <laughs> yeah. uh, on so many of those fronts. And there are people within the Republican Party that I'm grateful for. And mm-hmm. Governor DeSantis here in Florida has been wonderful mm-hmm. and so helpful uh, in, in multiple ways in his role as our governor. Uh, but I don't have great hope for the GOP. Yeah. I mean, there's so many compromises being made and putting their fingers to the wind. And just look at the uh, uh, equivocation on abortion. If you yep. just take that, you know, and you you never win if you come out strong. And, and homosexuality, homosexual LGBTQ, marriage. LGBTQ, same yeah. thing. Yeah, log cabin Republicans. Yeah, know. so we have we have our, um, wh- whereas the, the DNC is uh, is much more obviously uh, a pagan political um, arm, the, the GOP has its own paganism Absolutely. issues as well. Um, and even to the point where, you know, if you don't, and I know I'll get in trouble for saying this, if you don't uh, take a pinch of incense and put it in the altar to Trump's genius, uh, well, then you're considered a persona non grata right. in the Republican Party. Yeah, you're on the other side. Mm-hmm. You, know, you are opposed to what's right, good, and true, and saving mm-hmm. America type of thing. And, and that's really what we need to talk about. You and I have these conversations pretty regularly, and it's important we try to help our folks here locally to uh, think in terms of, um, of, of being biblical, thoughtful, Christian, theological, in assessing things, which mm-hmm. ne- necessitates disassociation. And so you have to be willing to say, you know what, there's some good here, but this is bad here as well. And you don't just take the bad with the good or say, because it's good, we're going to pretend the bad's not there or not yeah. comment on it. 
can't do that. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a distinction between how you treat the folks that are in these wars with you. And, you know, you, I think it was Schaefer that helped me first to think in terms of co-belligerence. Mm. So I can link arms with a Roman Catholic and an abortion mill and yeah. try to shut it down. But I'm not going to go worship with him or start a church mm-hmm. with him. But they're co-belligerence. And so I, I've kind of put it in my own mind. We got brothers and so those are guys arm in arm, same DNA, you know, our church and yeah. fellowship of churches like ours. That's who we are. And, and then you've got allies. Okay, well, these are folks that you know you can count on. They're going to show up, and you want to show up for them. And we're on the same team, thinking the same way. We got some distinctions, and we're not going to do things exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. But then you got co belligerence, and so you need to be willing to to link arms where you can with them. But then you got enemies. Yeah, and the enemies aren't those other three, and these other <laughs> yeah. three aren't the enemies, and you don't make friends of your enemies by making enemies of your friends. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there's a lot of confusion on those points. Thank you for joining us today for this conversation on the sword and the trial. I wanted to remind you and bring to your attention a new title by Founders Press titled Spurgeon's Forgotten Sabbatarian by Brandon Rea. This is a wonderful book on the law of God and Spurgeon's views of the Christian Sabbath. It's kind of a controversial topic in our day, even amongst many Reformed Baptists, but I think that we can learn a lot from the wisdom of Spurgeon. Uh, This is on pre-sale right now at founders.org. You can uh, order this for a discount and orders will show ship uh, in February of 2024. It, it muddies the water when there's so many, you know, you go on Twitter today, which I'm not on, but I hear things from you. Um, <laughs> you go on Twitter today and there are so many um, <laughs> debates about important issues. Mm-hmm. You know, you got the debates over Christology. You got the debates over classical Christian theism. You got the debates over apologetics. You got uh, debates over political theology and public theology. Uh, these are all important issues. Absolutely. And there are conversations that need to happen and there are debates that need that we need to have. Um, but because you are on uh, the opposite side of a brother on the issue of Christology, provided they're within the bounds of orthodoxy, um, they are a brother, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. they are an ally in this war that we're in. Now, I'm not at all suggesting that Christology is unimportant. We're doing a whole conference on Christology <laughs> next week. And so that conversation needs to happen. But when the barbarians are not only at the gates, but they're in the gates and they're trying to uh, shut down religious worship and they're trying to uh, enforce tyranny, um, we need to be able to come together as brothers, as allies, and have those conversations while at the same time fighting the same fight together. And even people who would disagree and say, you know what, we shouldn't be engaged in any sort of culture wars. Uh, We should not uh, think politics are so important that it relies, uh, that it uh, comes up to any sort of religious significance whatsoever. That's fine. You can have those opinions, but we're still in the same war, whether you like it or not. It's naive. It's just absolutely naive. I mean, you might say, well, we're not to be engaged in culture war. Well, guess what? They're engaged with you. Yeah. And so if you just stand by, then go ahead and deliver your children up to them. Yeah. Deliver your grandchildren up to them because that's what they're coming for. They make Mm -hmm. no mistake about it. And, Declaring it. And when somebody, when your enemy tells you what they're wanting to do, believe them. Yeah. Believe them. They're coming for our children. Just look at the education system. Look at the LGBTQ agenda. Mm -hmm. uh, Look at the things being put into public libraries and school libraries. Uh, There's grooming going on. Look, Look at what's happening in the medical community. I mean, this, you have to be deaf, dumb, and blind to 
think, oh, no, you know, we're not going to engage in culture war. The war is on. Do you remember, like, uh, was it five, six years ago, the San Francisco Gay Men's Choir yeah. saying tongue-in-cheek, we're coming for, for your children. children. Oh, that wasn't tongue-in-cheek. No, they, they thought it was a big joke, but it's not It's not a joke. No, They're no, totally serious When about they it. got called out on it, they said, oh, we were just joking, we are just joking. I don't think they were joking uh-huh, at all. I uh-huh. think they were telling us exactly what their, their plans are. So here we are, and, and how do we engage? How do we think about this? Well, again, I, I want to have those uh, categories in mind. Mm-hmm. And so I, I want to be able to say, you know, man, this teacher over here can help us in these ways, but he's not a safe guide over mm-hmm. here. I mean, y- y- people talk about the Doug Wilson derangement syndrome. Mm-hmm. You know, you say Doug Wilson and people light their hair on fire because of uh, problems. Doug issues. Wilson lights their hair well, on fire. Well, <laughs> Doug lights their hair on fire every November, right? You know, but look, Doug is brilliant on cultural issues Mm -hmm. and he has seen things far ahead of the game of most people Mm -hmm. at least that I'm aware of and I've benefited from trying to to think uh, about cultural things by listening to him watching him reading him on that so you're a theonomist (laughs) yeah right you know (laughs) and a pedo communionist right but when it comes to the sacraments it comes to the church I I wouldn't recommend Doug Mm -hmm. uh, for people to go to him on those issues even on issues of justification by faith Mm -hmm. or on the the Trinity I mean he's just said some things that are sketchy now he keeps coming back and says no no I'm I believe in Nicaea you know I'm I'm not uh, a heretic and I grant him all of the caveats but still he's just said some things that I think are little weird and his paedo communion stuff is just completely off the chains Mm -hmm. in my estimation so even my you know uh, presbyterian friends uh, many of them would say the same thing about that but what do you do then so Mm -hmm. you can't ever mention doug you can't ever read his books you can't ever commend any of his uh uh, insights no he's Mm -hmm. got some really helpful things to say and that's true for guys that are uh, calling themselves thomas or appreciating Mm -hmm. thomas aquinas Mm -hmm. okay well, we can learn some things from them, but the guys who are warning about Thomas Aquinas, well, we can learn some things from them too. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to say, well, you're either in this camp or that camp. Same thing with um, the uh, eternal uh, subordination of the sun, which mm-hmm. is a heresy. And mm-hmm. those that advocate it specifically in those terms, they're dancing with heresy. But then you've got guys who have said things with qualifications mm-hmm. that might put them closer to that camp, but the qualifications keep them from falling all over mm-hmm. into the, the swamp of that heresy. And I want to say, okay, I can learn mm-hmm. from those scholars and insights they have. While I wouldn't advocate what they're saying, Tom Nettles did a great job in a couple of articles uh, at the at our founder's website on this mm-hmm. when he talked about uh, Bruce Ware and I think um, – Wayne Grudem, and some mm. of the debates that flared up maybe six, seven years ago now. And he tried to give everybody their due, mm-hmm. which I think as Christians is what we're obligated to do anyway. You know, yeah. Love hopes all things, and you believe what you can uh, until you, you, you know, proving that it's just not tenable anymore. But, man, a guy who is uh, who's helpful in areas that just struggles with the question of eternal generation – you know, I think he's wrong. I, mean, I think if you don't buy into eternal generation, then you're going to have a lot mm-hmm. of theological issues. But I'm not going to throw that guy away like he's an enemy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's happening a lot in our yeah. day on Christology, on Trinity, on uh, some of these cultural issues. And mm-hmm. 
I just want to shake people and say, wake up, look at the war we are having. Yeah. Look at the enemies that are coming for you and your children and recognize that we've got brothers, we've got allies, and we've got co-belligerents that mm-hmm. we need to stand with and try to fight against this and contend for the things that we can all agree on. And uh, then we can have some of those intramural debates Mm-hmm. after this. Yeah, and it's not, it's again, not to say that these debates are unimportant. They're vitally <laughs> yeah, important. Um, and, and some of these errors are significant errors. But when you see a brother who is wrong, you tell that brother you're wrong, you yeah. warn other people he's wrong on this issue. That doesn't mean he's wrong on every issue. Right. And that doesn't mean that he's not a brother. That's right. Yeah, um, that's exactly and right. So, but, but the thing is, like, we need to be able to have these debates and, and build and fight the paganism at our door at the same time so that we can continue to have these discussions. Right. You know, it, it was in the, the early church where uh, things were beginning to develop theologically within the church, but most of that theological de- development didn't happen until Christians could peaceably live in the Roman empire without mm. persecution. Mm-hmm. If we go back to a time in which we are living under the persecution of a tyrannical state, it's going to be very difficult to have these important debates that we need to have. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very difficult to be able to preach the gospel to people who need to hear the gospel if we're living under a tyrannical state. And I know that there are people who say, well, you know, the, the blood of martyrs is the seed of the church. And if we have tyranny, that'll just make the gospel go even faster and the church will grow even in more quickly. Well, tell that to, to fifth century North Africa or sixth century North Africa. Tell that to 14th century Japan. Who, where Christianity was completely stamped out under the persecution of a tyrannical state in Japan and, and under the Muslims right. um, in North Africa. Yeah, and, and those are important historical points, and I'm trying to get up to speed you know, on a lot of mm-hmm. the uh, Middle Ages. Uh, uh, so much of my training and thinking went from first century church to 16th century reformation beyond, you know, and you just forget, mm. wait a minute, there were a thousand, 1400 years there in between that you need to learn from. And so going back and trying to understand how was Christianity conceived, even amongst uh, those who were bad, wrong doctrinally on certain areas and those bad, wrong errors got corrected Mm -hmm. through the kinds of councils and debates and creeds that arose from them. But they had opportunity to have those kinds of debates and councils because they weren't fighting the Visigoths, you know, Mm -hmm. coming over the the borders in those moments. And we're not advocating, I'm not advocating that we just, you know, try to enforce a Christendom at the point of a sword. Mm -hmm. How did it happen? Well, it happened through conversion. It happened through preaching the gospel but with preaching the gospel, stand firm on the implications of the gospel for every area of your life and every area of society. And here in the West, in America particularly, we have had that. Mm-hmm. And we stand on the shoulders of those who are faithful in their days to preserve that. And now we are squandering it mm-hmm. and letting the uh, pagans overrun us and intimidate us and to try to shut us up. Uh, with all kinds of arguments, uh, some of which is, you know, that's not what Christianity is. Mm-hmm. You know, Christianity doesn't get political. Christianity doesn't care about the the kingdom of this world. Mm-hmm. And um, that's just, that's ludicrous. We, yep. we don't want to lose the gospel at all. But as we proclaim the gospel, let's not be embarrassed by anything that the Bible says about mm-hmm. any subject that it addresses. Yeah, and as we look at 2024, we look at an increasing tyranny in our own uh, political context. 
Um, you know, we were just this last Sunday uh, going through Daniel three and um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's refusal to bow to the image of Nebuchadnezzar, and that's what we have to remember: just refuse to bow to this pagan, mm-hmm. refuse to refuse uh, to submit to um, the advances of this heathen religion uh, that is now so permeated our our land and our culture. Um, don't don't bow to LGBTQism. Don't mm-hmm. don't bow to the feminism. Don't bow to the environmentalism. Don't bow to the sexual liberation. Um, and don't say, well, you know, that's a political issue, and our, you know, this, my kingdom is not of this world, and so I need I need to not be concerned with those things. I need to be concerned with you know heavenly realities. Well, yes, be concerned with heavenly realities and be concerned with the lordship of Christ mm-hmm. over all things, the common kingdom as well as the the kingdom of Christ. Yeah, the, that sermon you preached on Daniel three one through eighteen, we had a link to that. It was brilliant. It was so so good. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and their refusal to bow. You made a statement in there that was so uh, just gripping. Better to suffer at the hands of tyrants than to submit to the commands of tyrants. Yeah. And amen. I mean, mm-hmm. that's where we are. Again, I don't know that Christians have awakened to this enough to recognize the tyranny that is permeating our, our cultural uh, entities and organizations uh, where if you don't use these pronouns and you're, you're not going to get promoted, if you don't say uh, these things or if you insist on saying those things, then you're going to be canceled. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are living in an increasingly tyrannical society, and much of it sanctioned by the state. Mm-hmm. And if we continue to genuflect or continue to take that little pinch offering up to Caesar, then before long, uh, we're going to be called upon to quit saying Jesus is Lord because mm-hmm. that's really the issue here. Who yeah. is Lord? Yeah, you know, Kim Davis has been in the news recently, the county clerk from Kentucky who, uh, after Obergefell, refused to issue marriage licenses to uh, homosexual couples. Mm-hmm. And she was put in, in, in jail for, for days. Um, and she has now been ordered to pay $360,000 in fines because she refused to give marriage license to, to homosexuals. And when it, at the moment, you know, eight years ago when this happened, somebody asked, by, by what authority <laughs> do you refuse to give a marriage license to these people? The, the implication being the yeah. Supreme Court, the highest authority in the land has said that you have to recognize the legitimacy of this union. And she said, by God's authority. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we need to do. Absolutely. We're just a couple of days away from our National Founders Conference down here in Southwest Florida, and the conference this year is Remember Jesus Christ. Now, if you haven't had an opportunity to get tickets and you aren't able to travel down here to sunny Southwest Florida to join us, fret not. You can still access the conference. If you go to founders.org, we will be live streaming the entire conference for free. We'd much rather have you here with us so we can see your beautiful faces, but if you can't be here, you can live stream the entire conference. Just go to founders.org. We have forgotten that all human authority is delegated. Mm-hmm. It, n- none of it's inherent. It's all delegated by God, all lawful authority. And that's true for parents. It's true for husbands. It's true for elders mm-hmm. in churches. It's true for magistrates yep. and judges and uh, those that would, would sit upon the uh, seats of power in our civil government as well. So, yeah, as Christians, we need to have our eyes wide open. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no telling the specifics that are going to happen in 2024, but I've been of a mind 
for several years now that what we lived through from 2016 on, and especially from like 2018 through 2022, is all just kind of preface. It's appetizer. Yeah, it's, you know, the, the main event is coming. And there's no doubt there are people who hate Christ. They hate the things of Christ, and they, they may have played nice as long as they had to, but the masks are coming off, the gloves mm-hmm. are coming off, and I think we should not be surprised to see increasingly uh, an attempt to try to silence those that would stand for Christ. Mm-hmm. And we, as God's people, need to determine, are we going to stand for Christ? Are we willing to be thrown into a fire, fiery furnace mm-hmm. uh, and trust God whether to keep us alive or not, or are we going to bow because it's the expedient thing to do, mm-hmm. or we don't think the cost is worth uh, what we would have to pay. Yeah, and I think just a, you know a couple of notes of practical uh, wisdom as we you know go into what is you know, sure to be a tumultuous time. Uh, should the Lord tarry, um, you know, just do not rely upon government for your needs. Uh, yeah. Start to become a little bit more self sufficient. Uh, start to be more reliant upon your Christian community. Uh, be engaged in localism and local politics and local economy and, and commerce. Um, and trust the Lord. Mm. Don't trust the means that you use to insulate yourself from craziness that could come. Yeah, absolutely. There's this. <laughs> the local church is always important. It's it's God's way of raising Christians mm-hmm. and uh, it, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. That's his promise. And so for those folks who call themselves Christians, but have tried to figure out a way to live outside of the church, man, I would just call upon you to repent. You mm-hmm. know? And if you're not willing to repent, then you need to really consider whether or not you're a Christian, whether it's Jesus Christ you actually are following or not. And I realize people are in difficult circumstances and sometimes good churches are hard to find or non-existent. And uh, to the degree that you can, Man, find a healthy church, build your life around it. If that means selling out and going across country, then do it. It's worth it. Mm-hmm. It is worth it. And then don't just kind of treat church as an add-on. Build your life around it. I think one of the most practical things Christians can do, both as a testimony and a witness and uh, thrusting into the darkness, as well as a preservative for you and yours, is to worship regularly with the Mm -hmm. people of God. Mm -hmm. Man, come apart where the Word of God is seen as authoritative, where Christ is unashamedly uh, proclaimed and declared and worshiped as God, and where His truth is set forth in a way that you can understand it. It challenges you to instruct you in righteousness, to teach you sound doctrine, to rebuke you, and to correct you. Because all of those things are what we need regularly in our lives. And a church is the the pillar and the ground of the truth. We are responsible as the people of God to insist on that truth being taught. And as we submit ourselves to it week in, week out, day in, day out, in the context of the relationships of a local church, you're going to be fortified. Mm -hmm. You're going to be strengthened. And you're going to be equipped to stand against the darkness that continues to encroach. So, man, find a good church, build your life around it. Make sure that the message of the Bible doesn't get lost through assumption. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, a, what a day of opportunity we have. You know, we, we are going to have opportunity to shine as light in this 
crooked, perverse, dark world. Mm. And we ought to embrace that. This is where God has placed us. He made no mistake by having us born when we were born. Uh, there are times when, you know, I, I'm weary of this world and I'm ready to, to be taken from it. There are other times I wish I was 35 again uh, to think, okay, you know, this is the fight. This is where we are. These are the opportunities. And wherever God has placed you and whatever sphere and responsibility you have, whether that's changing dirty diapers day in and day out, or whether that's in some corporate office or whether that's uh, in some civil uh, servant arena or in pastoral ministry, whatever it is, recognize God has put you here. He's equipped you for this moment. And remember the most important things, the unchanging things, and look around at the opportunities. It's a target-rich environment for Mm -hmm. proclaiming Christ. Mm -hmm. Man, everybody needs Christ. Everybody needs to be evangelized. Everybody needs to be discipled. And whenever you Teach and stand firm on the simple gospel of a crucified, risen Savior. You are sounding a note that is not sounded uh, anywhere in our culture apart from the people of God. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's no, there's very little cultural remnant. Or at least those, those remnants are dying out now. And so, when we proclaim the gospel, we are proclaiming something that has been forgotten or never known uh, more and more in our. Uh, social and cultural context. And it's striking when people hear it because they're not used to it anymore. Yeah. Um, And they'll either hate you for it or they'll stop and think and give pause and consider it. Yeah. Amen. And so we can't assume the gospel. We must uh, constantly remind ourselves of it, go deeper in it, think more critically. What does it mean to have a crucified risen savior? Uh, What enemy can come against us Mm -hmm. and do anything to us apart from the sovereign will of our heavenly father who gave up his son for us. Mm -hmm. Jesus defeated death, hell, Satan itself. What's somebody going to do to me? Furthermore, you know, what enemy can stand against us? And this was the promise of Jesus that the gates of hell will not prevail against us. And that wasn't, you know, us kind of hunkering down and they're battering us to death with their gates. That's us battering their (laughs) gates down because we are on the offensive. And so it's not, you know, we need to not look at 2024 as this, okay, let's, let's all huddle up now and prepare for the coming storm. But no, this is our chance to advance. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Don't build your bunker Mm -hmm. and uh, just think you're going to hang on until things get better. No, man, this is a target rich environment for the gospel. So those of us who have the gospel, we ought to uh, fortify one another, strengthen one another, go out, proclaim that gospel, be unashamed about it. Uh, Work hard in the gathering of God's people every Lord's day to worship in spirit and truth. I mean, don't just go through the motions. Mm. Don't be satisfied just to kind of do what you're supposed to do and check boxes and, and you know move over the page. But realize you're entering into an opportunity to declare to unseen principalities and powers and anybody else who might wander in the, the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Mm-hmm. And that truth is what's going to set people free whenever they bow to Christ, who is our Lord and King. And the WEF ain't got nothing on that. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Hey, and this is something worth giving your life for. Mm -hmm. This is something worth training your children to give their lives for. This is what we ought to be teaching our young men 
in church. They, you know, they, they want to battle. They want to fight. Yeah. Well, fight the Lord's battle in the Lord's ways. Mm-hmm. You know, equip yourself with the armor of God and recognize where he has placed you, how he has placed you, and determine by his grace to stand firm in this evil day. And if you perish, you perish. Mm-hmm to the glory of God. Our God can deliver us, but if not, we will not bow to your gods or worship your golden images. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us today on the Sword and Trial, this first one of 2024. I pray that God will help his people to stand firm and those in your local context, your local church, uh, link arms with them, encourage one another, remind each other of the unseen, eternal, unchanging realities. And then, man, let's go forward. Let's go deeper. Let's go stronger uh, into this day in which the Lord has placed us. Why are we here? What is the most important thing in the world? One of our greatest problems is is forgetting. We, We forget what God has done for us. We forget what God has taught us. We forget things that we have experienced. If we don't pause, if we don't think deeply, if we aren't reminded again and again and again, we forget. It strikes me pretty significantly in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, remember Jesus Christ. Why in the world would Paul tell a pastor to remember Christ? Well, he's not going to forget that Jesus Christ lived and that Jesus Christ taught, but he's going to forget the significance of Christ. Christ is ultimately our mission. The church is the body of Christ. A church has to focus on the supremacy of Christ because That's why we are the church. Christ is supreme over all. The church's great mission is to preach Christ. We're there to win souls. We're there to advance Christ's kingdom. The problem with the world is not that they don't agree with me. The problem is that they don't bow the knee to Christ. So that's why we're going to gather, to specifically, explicitly focus on the supremacy of Christ, to do our best to remind each other of the centrality of Christ, the beauty of Christ, the glory of Christ. So join us in Fort Myers, Florida, January 18th through 20th, 2024 as we focus on Jesus Christ. I hope to see you there.